I am continuing in our sermon series that I'd entitled Crazy Loved. Here's what I need you to understand. That the all-powerful, all-knowing, all-good God is deeply in love with you. He really loves you, Miss Veronica. Like, he really, really loves you. You're something special. I love you, too. And God is so enamored with you that before you were born, he had a plan rooted in purpose but sustained by his power. But sometimes some of us run the risk of not having the full experience that God has for us. In fact, look at this scripture. It says, and may you have the power to understand as all God's people should, how wide, how long, how high, and how deep his love is. May you experience the love of Christ, though it is too great to understand fully. Then you will be made complete with all the fullness of life and power that comes from God. But notice that part. As all God's people should. Which means that there's a possibility that you may not have the full experience. In fact, I believe it is the enemy's greatest tactic and tool to keep us under the level which God has placed for us. To keep us distracted and not have the sufficiency and the fullness of God. Here's what we understand that we'll have a life that is unfulfilled and a life that is not where God would have us to be if we do not get the concept of how deeply loved, how valued, and how great God wants to do something in our lives. Reading from Abraham this week in Genesis, everybody's familiar with Abraham, but this story really jumped out at me. So let me go ahead and jump in. It reads this way sometime later. God tested Abraham's faith. Abraham, God called. Yes, he replied, here I am. Take your son, your only son. Yes, Isaac, whom you love so much and go to the land of Moriah. Go and sacrifice him as a burnt offering on one of the mountains, which I will show you. The next morning, Abraham got up early. He saddled his donkey, took two of his servants with him, along with his son Isaac. Then he chopped wood for a fire, a burnt offering, and set out for the place God had told him about. On the third day of their journey, Abraham looked up and saw the place in the distance. Stay here with the donkey, Abraham told the servants. The boy and I will travel a little further. We will worship there, and then we will come right back. So Abraham placed the wood for the burnt offering on Isaac's shoulders, while he himself carried the fire and the knife. As the two of them walked on together, Isaac turned to Abraham and said, Father, yes, my son, Abraham replied. We have the fire and the wood, the boy said, but where is the sheep? For the burnt offering. God will provide a sheep for the burnt offering, my son, Abraham answered. And they both walked on together. When they arrived at the place where God had told him to go, Abraham built an altar and arranged the wood on it. Then he tied his son Isaac and laid him on the altar on top of the wood. And Abraham picked up the knife to kill his son as a sacrifice. At that moment, the angel of the Lord called to him from heaven. Abraham. Yes, Abraham replied. Here I am. Don't lay a hand on the boy, the angel said. Do not hurt him in any way. For now I know that you truly fear God. You have not withheld from him even your son. Then Abraham looked up, saw a ram caught by his horns in the thicket. So he took the ram, sacrificed it as a burnt offering in the place of his son. This is what the Lord says. Because you have obeyed me and not withheld even your son, your only son, I swear by my own name that I will certainly bless you. 
I will multiply your descendants beyond number like the stars in the sky and the sand on the seashore. Your descendants will conquer the cities of your enemies. And through your descendants, all the nations of the earth will be blessed. All because you obeyed me. God, I come to you right now. God, I ask you to guard my heart, guard my mind. Holy Spirit, I ask that you not just speak through me, but continue to speak to me. Keep me sensitive to your will, your way. You say what needs to be said. You do what needs to be done. God, I am relying totally on you. God, keep me centered. Keep me focused and open the hearts of these, your people. It's in Christ's name I pray. Everyone agrees. Said, amen. Um, recently, um, I've been getting a lot of spam calls on my cell phone, like a lot. And a lot of the calls have been from uh, timeshare people. Anybody ever been to a timeshare? Okay, if you have not, um, it's kind of like a root canal with lemon juice being poured into your eyes. <laughs> I love that. Here's the thing about the timeshare. Because when they call you, they start with saying, you want a gift. Who don't want a gift? In fact, what really messed this up was my, my daughter answered my phone. And she's like, daddy, you won. I was like, oh, you stupid child. <laughs> because they talk about it. You, you can go anywhere. You can come to Branson for three days and two nights. Or you want to go to Cancun? It's all on us because you're the winner. Man, you can keep that. Because if you've never been, they make you a lot of promises about the gift. But they don't talk to you about the pain that you're going to go through once you get there. Oh, yeah, they'll get you in the room. And they'll tell you 30 minutes to an hour. 37 and a half hours later, you'll still be in the same place saying no. And no matter how great the gift may sound, it only takes you to do that one time before you be like, man, forget that gift. You can't pay me, which they will offer to do, to come in there and listen to y'all. Because no matter how great you may have thought the gift was, by the end of it, that gift ain't that good. There's going to come with some strings attached. But you know what? They don't tell you that at the beginning. No, all they want you to think about is the gift. And if you get distracted by the gift, we can get you in the room. Unfortunately, you begin to hate the gift and you begin to hate them the longer you sit there. In fact, I was, I was in SeaWorld uh, last year. And the guy walks up on me and he's trying to sell me the timeshare. And I was like, nah, I'm good. And he keeps walking with me. And he follows me. So unfortunately, your pastor started acting like the devil. And I said, man, get out my face. Leave me alone. My wife is over there. She can vouch for that. Just so you know. And I had just preached on sweet words, too. I was like, the devil will test you. Um, but I did... I, let me clean it up. I went back and I waited in his line and apologized to him. I was like, man, I'm so sorry. I was so out of line. I was wrong. Please forgive me. And you know what he did? He gave me the gift without me having to go through the presentation. <laughs> Be nice. Be nice. Be nice. 
Now, the reason I bring that up, though, is because oftentimes when it comes to the things of God, we are always talking about the gifts of God. We're talking about his goodness. We're talking about his grace. We're talking about his mercy and the goodness and the gifts of God become almost a selling point to people of why you should follow God. However, if you have been with God any amount of time, you will know that the gift of God comes with some strings attached. Now, we don't tell you that at the beginning. But let me help you out. Any gift from God comes with strings attached. Now, the thing about these strings, though, is that is what God uses to keep us connected to him. But oftentimes we want the gift of God and we want to separate from who he is. We want to take our gift and run. But that's not how this works. See, one of the things that we don't talk enough about is that God still has requirements. See, we can talk about the love of God, but then how do we express our love back to God? It's called obedience. Now, here's the thing, because he's, you know, very clear. Um, he makes it, he says it, if you love me, you will obey my commandments. But if I'm honest, I find myself saying I love God without obeying being a part of my everyday life. It's very easy to let that come out of my mouth. But yet I feel that the obedience part is optional. If anybody's getting married, one of the books I always tell them to read is a book called The Five Love Languages. Five Love Languages is a book that tells you to understand not just the idea of love, but it's your job to understand how your partner receives love. Some people can't interpret love the same way. Some people need acts of service. Some people need gifts. Some people need quality time because based on the way they are wired and made, that's how they interpret love. And if you value this relationship, if you value that person enough, you want to express love in a way that they can receive it. God's love language is obedience. No matter what you say, obedience is how love is received by God. Now, here's the problem. I'm grown, I'm free, and I ain't got to obey nobody. Obedience is for children. So what happens is, out of my freedom, I can tell God, well, God, just receive whatever I offer you. But that's not what is required. See, this is why this story here is so interesting. It's a story of Abraham. Abraham has a promise from God. I'm going to make you the father of many nations. But the scripture said at the beginning that God tested Abraham. Okay, I don't know about you, but I didn't like tests when I was in school. That wasn't my thing. So the idea of God testing me sometimes throws me off. But be careful. God tests so his glory can be known. God does not tempt. The devil tempts so you can fail. But if we do not correctly diagnose what is happening, we will misinterpret what God is doing. 
I have been guilty of finding myself in place of testing and confusing my testing with God hurting me. And that is a trick of the enemy, because if he can convince us that God is hurting me, how can I run back to him and ask him to help me? That if we don't properly diagnose what is happening, that this is a mechanism for growth. This is why you have to know that everything that God does is rooted, surrounded, and based in his deep love for you, even if it makes you uncomfortable. See, when you're tested, it exposes what's really in you. Some said it this way, search me, O God, and know my heart. Test me. And know my anxious thoughts. Point out everything in me that offends you and leads me along the path of everlasting life. Catch that. Point out anything that offends you. Do you realize it is very possible to go to church every week, read your Bible, pray, and live a life that offends God? It is possible to do all the religious junk and God look at it just like it's junk. So he goes to Abraham and Abraham has a promise from God. And he can look at it and say, Isaac is God's promise. Isaac is the gift from God. But here's what you have to understand. If God gives you a gift, you don't own it. If there is a gift or a blessing from God, it's not yours. It's like a rental car. I can go to Hertz. They're going to give me a car. I'm going to put gas in it. I'm going to change the radio. I'm going to adjust the seat. I'm going to move the mirrors. But guess what? That ain't my car. When they want their car back, I got to give them their car back. And how I manage that car determines is if I going to get another one. Can I help you out? If you cannot properly manage the first blessing from God, you will disqualify yourself from another one. See, the blessings of God are to be managed, not owned. He's putting something in your hand that we're to manage to give him glory, but it's still his. And if it's his, he gets to say what's good about it, how to use it, when to use it, and where it's supposed to go. We don't get to make that decision. But see, here's the thing that that, that gets us in trouble. No, I'm not going to say us. Here's the thing that got me in trouble. One of the most dangerous things you can ever receive from God is a promise. Because once God gives you a promise, the devil is going to make you impatient. Because then you'll begin to assume that though God gave me the promise, I got to implement my plan based on his promise. One of the things I struggled with was that God had something for me. And so every door must be good. That's, that God? No, okay. That ain't God. Oh, that's got to be God. And I'm trying to run through every door trying to execute a plan based on his promise. Guess what? His plan, his promise, his provision. So you have to get to this point. Let me show you something. This is what I love about my man Abraham. Because God gave him a promise, but now God is saying, can you trust me more than just trust my promise. Is your faith in my promise, which you think is through Isaac, or can I still tell you what to do with that gift? It says that he got up early the next morning 
After God spoke and he left. Now, let me help you out. He's asking for his son. Technically, Abraham has two sons. Yes, there's Isaac, but there's Ishmael. Now, I don't know about you. In that moment, I would have been like, where's Ishmael at? He just asked for a son. God, I got two sons. (laughs) Somebody got to go. Not the one I love. Notice that God said, no, no, I want the one you love. Oftentimes, we're good about trying to give God what we like so we can hold on to what we love. And if we're so consumed with holding on to what we love, how can we effectively love him? See, what will happen is I will love the blessing at such a high rate and get so infatuated with the blessing. Whether I know it or not, now I am worshiping the blessing and confusing it with my God. And he says, no, 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 I want what you love. And oftentimes I'm like, well, grace, I can just ask for forgiveness. So God, take what I give you and you just do, deal with the rest. Have you? I know you don't want to say that, but sometimes we live life that say, God, just take whatever. We make decisions where we know what God would have us to do. But we don't want to let go of what we love. So God, just settle for what I like. But let me show you what Abraham did that I found so interesting. Do you notice it said he got up early the next morning? Do you notice it didn't say he prayed about it? You notice it didn't say he went and got counsel about it? You notice it didn't say he went and talked to nobody about it? Because what I have been guilty is knowing what God would want me to do. And I pray as an excuse for movement. I pray my way like, Lord, send a burning bush. God, if this is really you. Three drops of water right here. <laughs> and I use prayer and religious junk as an excuse for obedience. But notice it said he got up early the next morning and left. And it said he was going to go to a place that God would show him. Three days he's walking and three days he don't know what's going to happen. You notice he couldn't stop at the first mountain. He couldn't stop at the second mountain. He couldn't stop after day one. He couldn't stop after day two. He had to go all the way through. Here's why that's important. Obedience sets the path and the pace for your provision. If he had stopped at day one, there's no ram on the mountain at day one. If he stops at day two, there's no ram on the mountain at day two. And what will begin to happen is we are stopping short of the place where God is trying to get us to. Patience is going to be required for you to be who God has called you to be. Faith and patience go hand in hand. So no matter how great you may think you're doing, and like, God, I just am going to give you whatever. No, God has something for you, but do not stop short because it's taking too long. I don't care how young you are. I don't care how old you are. I don't care how much you have made mistakes. The call of God and the plan is still going. And so what happens is you convince yourself that it's too long. You convince yourself that you're out of the will because time has a way of distracting us. But let me tell you something. God said that those that wait on the Lord will renew their strength. Some of us will have to keep waiting. 
See, Scripture says, what is more pleasing to the Lord? Your burnt offerings and sacrifices or your obedience to his voice? Listen, obedience is better than sacrifice. And submission is better than offering the fat of rams. Catch this. Rebellion, not doing what we're told, is as sinful as witchcraft. And stubbornness as bad as worshiping idols. Disobedience is like witchcraft. Now you can get stuck on that, but you got to look at the other side of it. The promise of God is better than anything you could ever ask, think, or imagine. But if I don't trust God enough with his love and understand who he is, then I am going to abort what God is trying to do in my life because I'm impatient. I know you've been praying for something for 30 years. Let's go 31. God is not done. And the thing about it is if the enemy distracts us by time, he wins the battle because we don't see the provision that he has for us on the mountain. So I was talking a lot about Easter. And here's why I think God needs to do something through you because we often get like, God bless me. God bless me. God do something for me. God help me. God help me. Do you understand that the blessing of God is not just about you? It's about you being a living witness of what God can do so other people come to him too. Listen, listen. I believe that this is the best year of your life. Been said it all year long. I believe that you're going to be positioned for purpose this year in your life. Been said it all year long. I'll be saying it in December. Till next year. But understand that what God wants to do for you, he wants to do through you so people can follow the God who you claim you love. The verse ends, all the nations of the earth will be blessed because you have obeyed me. Let me tell you right now, there are people who their blessing is tied to your obedience. There are people that God has uniquely positioned around you that by your obedience, they're going to know who he is. The question is, does the weight of the call that God has on you, is it enough for you still to move forward and do what he told you to do? Love the people that he's told you to love. Forgive the hard people that he's told you to forgive. Go to the places that he told you to go, but also go to the places he told you not to go. Love the people that he told you to leave. Love. But some of us got to leave the people he told us to leave too. Obedience is still required. And people will be blessed all because you obeyed him best year of your life and we just getting started but be open to who God is and what he wants to do in and through you Lord we love you Lord we trust you God we thank you God we thank you that even in those times where it's hard to figure out you're still moving give us the strength to be obedient 
Give us a heart and a desire to please you. God, prepare us for that work that seems so far off, but give give us the resolve to keep going, keep moving, keep seeking, keep praying, keep believing. Above all, God, help us to be who you called us to be. And we'll give you all the praise, all the glory and honor. Amen.